Uh, welcome to The Industry. This is the inaugural episode of The Industry. My name is Kip Saunders. I'm your host. My producer is Dan Soretta. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, thanks. Yourself? I'm all right. Uh, so, what is The Industry? The Industry is a podcast interviewing people in what we, in this profession called The Industry, if you know, you know, it's people in the service game, um, in the restaurant bar profession, front of house, back of house, we all call it the industry, uh, and that we're going to be interviewing people who have done this for a living and have chosen to do this for a living, rather than people who just are doing this to put themselves through school. Um, our inaugural guest tonight, we'll be bringing him all in shortly, is Dan Collins, he's been in the game for a while. I myself have been in the game for 30 years, so I have a little idea what I'm talking about. And uh, now we're going to be talking to somebody else who also knows what he's talking about. Uh, we're bringing in Dan Collins. How you doing, Dan? How you doing, guys? Yeah. Good, 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 good. Good to meet you, yeah. Thanks for having good me on the show. Good to meet you. Um, yeah, no, thanks for coming. Uh, so we'll start by saying this. You currently work at Sugar Run, is that correct? I do, I do work at Sugar Run. Are you aware that I own Sugar Run? I do, I am aware that oh, you Oh, okay, Sugar cool. <laughs> so we have met, so we got that out of the way. No, thanks for being here. We wanted to bring Dan in. Dan's a super talented uh, mixologist. He has developed what I consider the most creative cocktail list in the city here in Kitchener, Ontario. That's where this bar is located. Um, but we just want to talk to Dan about uh, how he got to where he is. Uh, so let's get a little bio first going. Dan, you are how old? I am uh, 27 years old. 27 years old. Just, uh, just a babe in the woods. Um, <laughs> and you... Let's talk about where you've worked first. What was your first uh, serving job? Uh, first serving job. Or first actually. job in the, I should say, first job in the industry, because maybe you were a bar back. Yeah, first bartending job in the industry was uh, actually located in Chile, uh, Chile, South America. I was, uh, my dad is a civil engineer, and I was uh, working at a uh, golf and country club in Chile. And, uh, well, I was actually a member there, and then I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to work in the industry, so I asked them, I was like, uh, you know, I go here, like, can I work with you guys? And like, no, 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 you guys can't work, you guys can't work here, you're a member, you can't work here. But I was persistent, I was like, I want to learn from you guys. I speak Spanish, I speak English, let me uh, translate for both of you. So uh, they gave me a job there, so that was that was my first job. So, uh, and it, was that as a bartender? As a bartender, yeah. yeah. So your first job was so, actually as a bartender. So yeah, that's, that's so, actually unique on its own. So. And how, yeah. how old were you at the time? Eighteen. Oh wow. 18. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, learning how to polish glassware and uh, be a bartender in quotations uh, <laughs> about glassware and like speaking, uh, right. influencing and uh, you know translating between people. It was it was fun. Uh, it was a lot to learn because I was trying to teach my coworkers. Um, Spanish, well, or English, English. Sorry, English Spanish translation. While I was trying to learn Spanish, was a big, uh, big. Uh, well, my uh, similarly, my first job was when I was sixteen, and I had to translate between a ventriloquist and like an unreceptive crowd on a cruise ship. So okay. we're in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was your first job. You were in Chile, and I know that you did a lot of extensive traveling as a youth. So, 
tell me how that has affected your ability to do this job or learn the craft of mixology. For sure, however, for sure. Uh, well, however it influenced you. Yeah, just traveling around all around uh, South America, just meeting new people, like learning new experiences. And I never uh, essentially associated with bartending, but... Uh, meeting new people and learning new experiences of all different cultures and just learning like everything new was uh, a way to experience flavors and profiles to add it to my bartending career right now. So uh, when I moved back in uh, 2018 on my birthday actually turning 19, I moved back to uh, Guelph or into the University of Guelph. Um, and then took up a uh, pursuit in economics. Yeah, so perfect for the bar industry, yeah, because it's all about that money. <laughs> definitely, definitely. You know, <laughs> working the finance game. But, uh, no, economics was not my end goal. So uh, working through economics, went to political science, and then ended up in uh, the hospitality uh, industry. Because uh, were you aware that uh, your humble host and producer also met in school as political scientist? I did not. No, yeah, that's I'm right. So we're all scientists, uh, and as <laughs> as, as our <laughs> humble producer Dan likes to say, we're just waiting for those political science labs to open up okay, so that we can true. start <laughs> practicing our craft. Yeah, working on political science algorithms. Yeah, <laughs> but since that's not happening, we all ended up in this game. Um, okay, so uh, stepping back a little bit, you come back, you go to school at Guelph, and then you decide. At what point do you think you decided? this is kind of what I want to do. And I'm, I'm just going to uh, preface this by saying, when you're my age, I'm quite a bit older than you, but like when, when you're my age and Dan's age, we grew up in an era where this was not an acceptable job for our parents. Oh, and, and even for ourselves, you have this sort of um, mindset in the back of your head that there's a way you're supposed to go about living your life. You go to high school, you graduate high school, you go to university, you get married, you start having a family, you start your career, and none of this is about late night cocaine filled <laughs> bar extravaganza, like working in the service industry, what that happens to all of us at a certain extent, like, so, you know, so for me, that was... It took me a while to get my head around the fact that this is actually what I'm doing and I'm allowed to just do this for a living and that's okay. So I don't know if it was the same for someone in your generation. If it was, cool. If not, maybe you want to explain to me why it wasn't. Or if it was, what made it okay for you at one point? Or what, when did you decide it was okay? I don't know if it was a certainty of okay, but it was something that I wanted to uh, fulfill my own you know, in quotations, destinies, destiny. Yeah. I, I was trying to uh, fill my own void of uh, doing something that I could do without, like, getting my father's permission or, like, getting a family's permission to do. Like, don't get me wrong, my dad was a civil engineer, and, like, he he killed him as well. Like, he really created something that, like, wasn't there, but uh, I was going to do something that... I could do in this world. So. Oh, okay. So that's a different thing. So you never really felt any guilt about doing it. You just felt like it, sort of the opposite. This was like a way to spread your own wings. 
definitely, definitely. Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. That, because for me, it was, I just felt guilt forever about it. Like, I just felt like I was not, I went to university. I was supposed to have a, I'm sure you felt the same way. Oh, yeah. Like, like you're supposed to get this career coming out of it. Now, for yeah, me, it took me probably 15 years before I was like, okay telling people no this was my chosen path this is what I decided to get into so it's interesting for me to know that like somebody from a younger generation didn't really have that roadblock um, anyway that's just me rambling moving on um, after you get back you're, you're back from you're out, of, out of university what was your first job after Guelph first job after Guelph I actually went to uh, Conestoga College and I did a uh, bartending bar management program there I thought uh, okay I'm going to stop you right there I don't mean to interrupt you but I'm just interested because how do you feel do you feel that that was a worthwhile because for the people who are listening to this who are not who didn't grow up in the industry is do you feel like going to school for bartending slash bar management was valuable or do you think you could have just learned it on the job? I think going to school for bartending is a waste of time. Okay. But I think uh, knowledge is power and learning learning everything that you can is very important to uh, any industry or any uh, viable thing that you're in. That's well put. I remember I used to hear that uh, like you could get a political science degree just by reading the newspaper but <laughs> which is possibly true but uh, but we did it and there is knowledge and knowledge is power so uh, okay so moving on after you finished your course you what was your next job after that I got a job at uh, Proof Kitchen and Lounge I had a uh, interview with uh, my bar manager I should say um <laughs> She was fantastic, really, really great. But uh, during my uh, bar interview, she just started uh, drilling off um, cocktails, old-fashioned, Negroni, you know, Manhattan. And I just started naming them all out. And then when she came tired to a full stop, she said, okay, I will talk to my manager and we'll give you a call. 15 minutes later, got a call and got the job. What the fuck? I never made you do that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of rewarding, you know? <laughs> It was, uh... And that's a proof kitchen and lounge from Waterloo, right? Delta Yes, sir. Yes, and sir. so what did you... Uh, sorry, that was my phone. Um, so what did, did you find that... Um, what? Tell me some unique aspects of working in a hotel bar, as it were. Now, I know proof... Like, don't get me wrong, I know proof. It's not exactly just a hotel bar. It is a bar that people go to, don't stay at the hotel. But there is, like, what... Tell me some unique aspects of working in a bar that's connected to a hotel. Definitely, definitely. I think the unique qualities there was uh, everyone that works there in the management uh, sectors there uh, have worked in the industry for a long time and they are willing to share their experiences with everyone that's working there. They want to train everyone that's there. So I learned from many different aspects of the industry showing me every different aspect that I need to learn in the industry and since I wasn't new to the industry but I wanted to learn every part of it they really showed me every single part that they were involved in which is really huge because you overlook it when you're in one aspect of the uh, industry which is uh, very very cool to see yeah okay but like specifically I guess what I'm asking is specifically 
is there a difference when the bar is connected to a hotel with result with like with respect to the kind of clientele you get? I mean, I don't go upstairs and go for like a little riffraff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Then. But uh, the but what I mean is like the you know like okay for instance the bar you work at now there's a certain clientele that comes in you expect. My idea, having never done it, is well, you worked at a hotel bar. Too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Waterloo Inn. Yes, the Waterloo Inn. So is there, like, I would imagine it just brings in literally every type of person. Yeah, you, because you get everyone, every yeah. single one. So would that, so I guess my question is, does that teach you how to deal with a more diverse clientele quicker than it would in like like I feel like it's a it's a, a fast track course to learning how to deal with a diverse culture of people no it's very true you you definitely deal with everyone you deal with every uh, single uh, complaint and you deal with everyone and you have to fix every single complaint and it's uh it's interesting, it's tiresome, and it's uh, it's definitely like a new experience for sure. It's like DJing a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> it's like DJing a wedding. Yeah, and, and I think both of you and I have promised to never do that again. Yes. Dan and I also used to DJ. <laughs> um, what's your biggest customer pet peeve? You know, I, uh, I feel like I've worked in the industry a while, which compared to these guys... Uh, <laughs> no, it's a significant, significant amount, but uh, I hate when a customer uh, comes up to me and asks me, should I tip this person? Well, yes, I'm your manager, and uh, yes, that person served you, but should you tip them? Tip them upon uh, that you're... Like a customer comes up and asks you if they should tip somebody? Yes. Like Just their like, server? Yeah, tip their server. Oh, really? Yeah. Never, like, I don't know if I've ever been asked that question. Like I thought it was assumed. Um, <laughs> what about? Um, Actually, out of curiosity, people would say that was there a specific age range kind of? Like would it be like an older people? Usually an older crowd. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Oh, like, like about my mom now and stuff. She always oh, tips. like should forty plus? Should, yeah, should yeah, I tip? Eighty plus, right? Should, like, but it's always like more like yeah, five percent or yeah. Oh. So I do five or ten? Yeah, maybe twelve ten. Right, right, right. <laughs> so for the record, just so we can get it on the record and you can't take it back, people should tip. I think people should tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, so we can move on. Um, what, uh, after Proof, you went to Langdon Hall, is that correct? After Proof, I went to Langdon Hall, yeah. Yes, and so Langdon Hall, for those who aren't familiar with it, is a very high-end hotel, spa, resort in our area. Um, also, can I see the hotel? I guess maybe that's just your thing. Uh, Would you like me to build a hotel off this bar? That's my next question. Would that make you feel more comfortable? If you pay me well. Yeah, if I just turn this, if I just turn the upstairs levels into a hotel, yeah, would yeah. you feel more comfortable? Definitely. Okay. Um, the, so you work at Lane Hall. Lane Hall is ultra, ultra fine dining. I'm sure that brought a whole different set of skill sets to your game. It was a uh, huge eye opener. You have yeah. a helicopter landing pad, do they not? I don't know, but <laughs> I think uh, a big aspect was their food dining, and uh, to work for someone that is such a significantly uh, well-known chef is uh, a huge part of my career. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. 
Um, can I just pause this for a second and see if I can get uh, someone to bring us some drinks? No, you don't have to pause the recording. I'm just... Uh, hey, Ivana. Could we possibly get... Uh, who wants a drink? You guys want a drink? Yeah, sure. Yeah. A round of... What are we thinking? A round of Corpse Survivors? Please? Thank you. Corpse Survivor? You like it, yeah, I yeah. promise. Mm. It's arguably the best drink this band's made up to this date. Um, yeah, I, I love it that much. Um, okay, so moving on. Um, so yeah, like uh, the fine dining experience at Langdon Hall, it must have like it must it, it teaches you a whole different level of service. Like I know I did fine dining for a little bit. It's and what and what I found about the fine dining service was that. It elevates your entire service game. It's super annoying when you first start doing it because you it's a lot of ass kissing, let's be honest. Like you're really just it kissing is, ass is. kissing ass so hard because you have to. But it it, it it ups your level of service in such a way that you might hate it so much while you're doing it, but then at, but it's it's invaluable. Like I found that nothing that I, I literally found that nothing taught me more than doing that. It doesn't. Uh, you learn like so much. You learn about uh, etiquette. You learn about table manners. You learn about food. You learn about booze. You learn about wine. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. Uh, I actually asked for shifts in the back to learn about the food etiquette and learn about the food flavors. And I really wanted to elevate my flavor profile. And going in the back and standing there and asking the chef, what is this certain vegetable or this certain herb? And him shouting at me and, like, telling me, but soaking up everything that he told me. It's incredible. It's really it's really incredible. Yeah, it's, it, it's good. It, it, like, it not only teaches you all so much about flavor profile, but it teaches you, like... Talk to me about how it taught you how to deal with cut, with people as well. Well, these these chefs know everything, and like uh, no, I mean like customers. So. No, I know, yeah, but yeah. like uh, going to you know, and you're bringing the food out to a customer. And customer points to something. And, what is this? And then explaining to them is a way bigger feeling to explain to them exactly what they pointed at than being that new person that brings out a dish and someone points to it and says, explain this to me, and then you fumble in your head, uh, 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 I don't know. Right. And I don't know is the worst thing to explain in this industry. Yeah, you can never you, say that. You don't know this. You don't know this. Like, take it, they'll take it. <laughs> they didn't take yeah. it. Yes. God, God, I don't yes. recommend that at all. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, okay, so what's your favorite cocktail? Mm. Like, if you're going to go into a bar, uh, and I'm, I'm going to start this, since this is the first episode, I'll start talking about me. Why not? Why I always like to talk about me. Um, when I go into, <laughs> my when my favorite cocktail is the Black Manhattan. I think it's the perfect, the perfect cocktail. I think it's the perfect balanced cocktail that no one has created for me right now you know what I mean like not an inventive cocktail I can a, create what's that <laughs> I no, I'm, sure you, I'm, sure you could, I'm sure you could but like I'm saying like the, for a classic cocktail, great cocktail. and and, Definitely. and Definitely great cocktail. I have a, a sidebar to that where it's like if I'm walking into a bar that I've never been to before um, and so I'm going to ask you this as the the companion piece of this question. Uh, when I walk into a bar and say, if I know it's like a legit bar with legit bartenders, 
I'll ask them to make me a Manhattan. Not a black Manhattan, a straight Manhattan. And if they can make that properly, then I know I'm in a proper bar. Definitely. So Definitely true. for you, what's your cocktail and what's your go-to cocktail to test the place? My cocktail is a uh, penicillin. A penicillin is a perfect balance of uh, sweet, savory, and uh, sugar. Uh, or citrus, sorry. And uh, you've got a little bit of the uh, smoky essence or peated scotch on top of uh, a blended scotch. So it's really, really nice cocktail. Uh, it's something that you got cocktails coming. Thank you. Yeah, and speaking of cocktails, we have, uh, <laughs> the lovely Ivana has brought us some, another round. Ivana, say hello to the people. Hello, people. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, fellas. Cheers, man. We're, we'll get into the, what, what we're drinking later because this is one of Dan's newest creations. I mean, but we'll continue where we're talking about. So you were saying going back to penicillin. Yes. penicillin is. Uh, imagine uh, you're sick as fuck. Sorry to swear, but no, hey, you can swear on this podcast. And you need someone to like soothe your throat and get over it. So you have that. Uh, you have that bitter umami flavor, you have that citrus, you have that sweetness, you have that healing process, so that this lemon, ginger, honey, right? And then you have a, like, a little bit of smoke, a little smoke to take away, you have to separate yourself from a cocktail, so you have the smoke, which is the smoke is actually the peated scotch, it's peated moss burned into the scotch, and then you just need a body, so the body is scotch. So you add it to it. Right. It's just, it's a really nice, uh, it's a flavor differentiate from every other cocktail. I think it's really nice, really nice. And do you have a, what would be your cocktail that you would test a bartender on? Like if you walked in, you're just like, okay, I just walked, my car broke down in fucking Sault Ste. Marie. I have to walk into this, well, I mean, that's, maybe I should pick a better example. That just sounds like a nightmare. I'm going to keep myself up at night. Like the sequel to Psycho. <laughs> the sequel or the original. Yes. Um, the, Let's say your car breaks down somewhere, you walk into a bar, you just want to know if there, if you should just get the fucking Coors Light on tap or you should have a cocktail there. What would you test them with? I would test them with the last word. The last word is from the 1920s. It's pretty fucking high-end. It is a, uh, it's a, that's a premium cocktail. Yeah, I think you but, should dumb uh, it down a little. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, go ahead. I'm just saying, though, the last word is, uh, it's got the citrus, so the boozy, it's got the weird flavors of the green chartreuse, and then it's got the little cherry, like, sweetness to it. Yeah. And it's a, the last word is probably one of the most perfect cocktails ever created. And that was created in London, correct? 1920. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so. I'm curious, when did you come across that cocktail? Um, I came across that, uh, back when I worked at Proof. Uh, somebody told me they wanted something with green textures, so I googled green textures. First cocktail came up last week. Yeah. I uh, looked it up and I was like, okay, three quarter ounce of green chartreuse, luxardo, lime juice, and gin. But you have to have a gin that's a gin, juniper forward gin. You have to have something that compares back to the green chartreuse. The luxardo plays into the lime juice to balance the citrus and the sweet, and like it really balances out. It's a really nice cocktail. That drink made a giant comeback with the sort of. Um, 
It was more like the in the 1980s, uh, the cocktail revival started happening. It started happening in London, England, and then it moved to New York. And the last word was one of the big ones that sparked that revival in London during that time in the 80s. And then that moved to New York, and now we're here where... God damn it, if you don't have the most inventive, creative cocktail list <laughs> and, a, and a guy playing covers in the corner on a Saturday night, what are you even doing? I don't know if you <laughs> noticed my cocktails, but I, I base them off of uh, something that has, like, opposite citrus, opposite sweetness, opposite, like, uh, flavor, opposite, like, dominance to it. So, like, that's all of what I, like, base my cocktails off. Okay, so this is a good segue. Let's talk about your cocktails, Dan. Um, can we talk about your cocktails? Please, yeah. Good, because it's going to be a shameless self-plug for my bar where he makes his cocktails. Now, uh, we're, we're, we're very um, lucky to have Dan here making cocktails with Sugar Run. Uh, I, like I said, I feel like his list is spectacular. Um, this is we're, we're on our the second list now. Um, at Sugar Run? Yeah, that's Sugar Run, yes. Um, in Kitchener-Waterloo. What's the address again? Can't tell you. Can't tell you the address. Find it, it locate it, <laughs> locate it. Uh, it's at Sugar Run Bar. Go find us. Shameless plug. At Sugar Run Bar. Um, okay, so let's talk about your list. This is your second list. Um, well, actually, let's talk about if we get back up. Talk about your first list. What was my directive to you? Your directive was uh, no simple syrup, no sweetness. I want to do all booze forward cocktails. <laughs> And I appreciate that. And, uh, and with with what? We're a rum bar, right? So with with rum. With, with, with rum. Of course, and, with rum. And Dan was like, and I'm just gonna say this straight up. Dan's response to that was, okay. I found out later he had never worked with rum before. <laughs> I never worked with rum before. He was scared shitless, and then he just. But he came up with a brilliant list. But then. The problem was, and like not to speak for you, but the problem was that when we first opened, we didn't realize that it was going to be, we were going to be pumping out cocktails so fast and so quickly. Service bar is insane. Yes. We really pumped the fucking booze out. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It, it sounds aggressive, but like, we fucking pumped cocktails out. We did. Nightclub it's service, insane. but for craft cocktails. Ooh. All night long. Yeah. Which is insane. Like, think so 10 p.m. to after, 2 a.m., uh, man. It's insane. Uh, once Dan dislocated his shaking shoulder, and uh, we, <laughs> we had to... Uh, Sugarbot had to pony up for benefits so we could go to the chiropractor. We had to realize that the um, the list <laughs> the list had to change a little bit. Um, nevertheless, talk talk to us about your cocktails. Talk to us about how you crafted them with with the directive that I gave you. And I, and I would like to bear in mind that um, I did kind of put I tied one arm behind his back because I said no syrups. Simple ingredients, booze forward, and rum. Yeah. Go. I just love the yeah. direction that Kip is going for. Uh, back in the Prohibition, like you didn't have a cherry forward simple syrup. You just had booze, 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 booze. You had liqueurs, and you had like uh, natural products like uh, cherries or cranberries or whatever. So. Uh, we thought to take this uh, menu apart and we would look at all the booze. So we looked at all the flavor profiles of every booze and then we'd try to pick out like uh, cocktails from them. 
Uh, so we started with uh, rum, obviously, and uh, we just uh, added flavor to them, and we trialed and errored, and then uh, one day I said to Kip and Justin, I said, uh, I have a cocktail list for you guys. What can I do with it? And they said, pitch it to us. So I pitched it to them, and uh, they seemed to like it. You know, it worked out. It worked out really well. So Now, the uh, trial and error period, are you taking the whole cocktail each time, or just, like, taking a couple steps? You know, it was a couple sips, and then uh, Kip usually ended up like, I'm going to drink this cocktail because he really liked it. And I, that, that, that was right, right there was the appreciation that I needed to know that someone else would drink this cocktail, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Working through them, and I used I used weird I used weird stuff. I used uh, nitro infusions for foams, and I used uh, uh, I don't know blitzes and different uh, different styles of cocktails and different styles of liqueurs and whatnot. And uh, you know, it was awesome. It was uh, it was it was really unique, and we had an awesome. Hey, Justin, is there any way you can do that louder? Louder. Can you do that louder? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, it was, it was, it was really, uh, it was really new to me to like do a new cocktail list and have Kim, uh, one of the owners of Sugar Hun, just love every cocktail. Like it was very uh, heartwarming, you know. It was, it was nice to see that this man like enjoyed every single cocktail. There was nothing that I put out for him, and he was just like, no, I don't like that. And I will attest to that because uh, we wanted to do like a four cocktail list, and we ended up making it like. Seven or eight because eight, I, I couldn't so. cut any of them. So. I think we had like ten or twelve, and then we had to cut some. Yeah, yeah. And then we ended up cutting some. And, uh, the next cocktail list, uh, I was just thinking, I want to do something the same value, but I want to cut out the simple syrups because back in the prohibition, you didn't have simple syrups. You had booze, you had liquor, you had sugar, you had salt, but you didn't have anything else. So we wanted to make a cocktail list that you could create during the prohibition that you can't you can create now but you can't create you know what I mean gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you do it with the so we time. did so we did things with booze yeah. we used, cool. we we flavored cocktails with liqueurs and uh, cock or cocktails and liqueurs and uh, spirits um, let me ask you this what is has what is the signature cocktail of sugar uh, well... No, we, what is it? I got a big... Chestershire smile right now. Yeah, you know what it is. The... Cute and crushable. That's correct. This is the, si- is the signature <laughs> cocktail of Sugar Run. And tell me why that drives you insane. Because before you're putting your hair up... <laughs> <laughs> and being happy with I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we decided to Tell take... Tell behind no, that no, cocktail. No, no, no. We decided to take a malleable uh, spirit and turn it into a cocktail that everybody would love. And then no, it's you're not telling me the story. Oh, a scrunch, a scrunch, scrunch, no, scrunch, no. scrunch. Why did, you, why did you invent that cocktail? I like blowjobs. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much. So Dan's girlfriend wanted, was not into our booze-forward cocktail creations, but wanted something that she could drink. Dan created this cocktail. Now, and I, I'm gonna, Justin, can you come here for a second? Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to bring my partner Justin into the fold here to tell the side story of this cocktail. It's going to be a fucking, I don't drink joke. No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Justin, welcome to the podcast. Justin is my business partner. Justin hey, Vale. Hello. Hey, Hello. Hey. Welcome to the industry. Yeah, I've been here a long, long time. Yes, you have. <laughs> too, too long. So we're now talking about the cute and crushable. Oh, yeah. And, uh, That's what, uh, Dan Collins is the other name. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> and what did, you, what did you tell me? When Dan wasn't around one time about what you appreciated about Dan's cocktail creations. Oh, yeah, I said uh, I appreciate Dan's sense of whimsy. Yes, which I thought was a beautiful way to put how he does, how he creates his cocktails because the Cuban Crossroad originally came with a plastic engagement ring on a stick and <laughs> edible glitter. It still comes with the edible glitter. Yeah. And now he has, he has changed that um, garnish to a crunchy, which also has a sense of whimsy. Yes, and, it does. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and you, have a, you have an edible glitter personality. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say, you really like do. No, I like the scrunchy. It's good. Yeah. It just it changes the story, because the ring used to be able to sell as, hey, we're a new bar, we want everyone to be ours. Yeah, but, but now it's... The hair holds up. Now we're a responsible now, bar, now, so we'll hold your hair back. Now we're holding you. <laughs> we're holding you. Um, yeah. No, but uh, this is a true story. Uh, uh, Justin, co-owner of Sugar Run, and I had a conversation behind your back one day, and Justin said, I love Dan's sense of whimsy with his cocktails. <laughs> and I'm like, that, it's, okay. it's, it's just a perfect way to describe the, your cocktail creation. So, Thank uh, you. Yeah, like the, the flavor profiles are always on point, but the fact that you know how to garnish them in a sense of whimsy. Yes. Like, it's it's a beautiful thing, man. It's a beautiful thing. Um, so let's talk about the edible glitter. Stay whimsical. Stay whimsical. Stay whimsical. Uh, the, the edible glitter has become the <laughs> most Instagrammable <laughs> moment of Sugar Run. It's a little bit of an intense story. But yeah, go, go. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can tell this on air, but... There's... This girl one time was sitting in my face, and uh, there was a sparkle in my eye. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. And, uh, yeah, I just thought, like, a sparkle or two. Okay, well, I don't know where to go from there. So. Anyways, anyways. So let's talk uh, about... <laughs> so, uh... Amazing. Okay, moving on. Um... <laughs> What's your favorite thing about me? <laughs> See the rate of pay. <laughs> no, no Kip, you've uh, you've honestly showed me uh, more than I've ever asked for, and like I appreciate everything. And okay, I meant that as a joke, but hey, I appreciate that. We're, we're don't don't sit here pumping his ego on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? You hear the bullshit from this side of the bar. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the Corpse Survivor 33. Uh, on the list, the Corpse Survivor 33, not another fucking one. This is, in my mind, your most elegant and perfect creation. Uh, we're drinking it right now. Uh, I wish you could all see it and taste it and smell it the way we are. This is, in my mind, a legitimate, perfect cocktail. If I, if I, if I thought people would know it, this would be my new standard to test people at a bar. It's like a, per a perfect balance 
from, like, you know, I'm a wino. This is not a secret in the industry. <laughs> what do you think of this cocktail? Yeah. So, uh, it's a wine what, what I love about wine is the marriage of nose to palate to back end throat feeling and lingering t- flavor. The perfect balance to wine is nose, palate, finish. Yes. And that's exactly what I went for. And I went for the palate. Because uh, we have rum. We do rum. And if I don't do a rum cocktail that speaks all of the flavor profile, I have not done a rum cocktail. I have not finished it well. But this this rum, this rum, Plantation 3 is charcoal filtered, and it just adds the weight and the consistency. Plantation number three, is that correct? Plantation number three. And... uh, you know all those people that ask for a martini. Can I have a martini? Uh, but no vermouth. I don't like vermouth. My <laughs> vagina talk, talk is a Jensen. pussy of vermouth. <laughs> it's a non-pussy of vermouth. Okay. <laughs> Yo, to enjoy vermouth, vermouth is vermouth is essence. Vermouth is flavor. Vermouth has its place in the world. Yeah. So we have plantation three rum. We have vermouth. We need something else. So we added something sweet. So we added it up. We added apricot liqueur. Apricot liqueur is creme d'apricot. It's incredible. It adds the sweetness. It adds the saltiness. It adds the... Uh, the it's an add the brine. Fuck the brine. So you have... Uh, apricot. Vermouth. And you have the rum. And it blends really well together. It's just perfect. Um, it's a perfectly balanced cocktail with the citrus on the top of it. It's the only thing with the cocktail is it just needed a little bit to elevate it up. So we added uh, two drops of Wormwood Bitters. A lot of people are like, I own a bar. I own Wormwood Bitters. Wormwood Bitters uh, is like absent. It like really elevates the cocktail. So we add it into our cocktail. So we had the Wormwood Bitters in there. And then uh, we spritzed the glass with... Uh, Pistachio infused sauterne. Sauterne is a uh, white wine. It's like a white uh, it's a dessert, dessert wine, wine from, France, from yeah. France. Exactly. It's the sweetness to it. We have the pistachio. Pistachio has a really umami flavor to it. It has a pasty flavor that coats your palate. You guys add it to it. Yes, we, no, we salted, did. unsalted. We did unsalted pistachio. We added it into the sauterne. And we let it mull for two days, and then we did it in a spritz. So we spritzed a glass with it, and it really added that that flavor profile. It added the umami to the sweetness, the umami to the saltiness, and it like drew as a balance between the cocktail. Anyways, uh, Dan, what's your favorite spirit? Favorite spirit, spirit, spirit is bourbon. Bourbon. And what's your favorite bourbon? My favorite bourbon is uh, Few Bourbon from Few bourbon. Chicago. Few Bourbon from Chicago. Uh, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, Dan Collins, thank you so much for being the inaugural guest to the Industry Podcast. Thanks, Dan. You, you are a treasure to the industry. Sorry for going off topic all yep. the time. Sorry? Sorry for going off topic. Not at all, man. This is what we're here for. You're a treasure of the industry. We're happy to have you at Sugar Run. We are happy to have you today. And let's do our inaugural cheers. 
to the Corpse Reviver, number 33, courtesy Dan Collins. Thanks for listening to the industry.